0: And now, boys and girls, it's showtime!
1: He's definitely here.
0: Huh? Who is?
1: Be
2: careful. Remember, he's a known traitor.
0: Someone has you under constant surveillance. Look.
2: It's all right. He's an old friend.
1: <coughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please turn your attention to that man. Voila! One, two, three! Oh. <laughs> oh. There he is. Get him.
0: What is the most resilient parasite? Bacteria, a virus, an intestinal worm. Uh, what Mr. Cobb is trying to say? An idea. Resilient, highly contagious. Once an idea has taken hold in the brain, it's almost impossible to eradicate. An idea that is fully formed, fully understood, that sticks right in there somewhere. For someone like you to steal? Yes, in the dream state, your conscious defenses are lowered and it makes your thoughts vulnerable to theft. It's called extraction. So Saito, we can train your subconscious to defend itself from even the most skilled extractor. How can I do that? Because I am the most skilled extractor. I know how to search your mind and find your secrets. I know the tricks and I can teach them to you so that even when you're asleep, your defense is never down. Look, if you want my help, you're gonna have to be completely open with me. I need to know my way around your thoughts better than your wife, better than your therapist, better than anyone. If this is a dream and you have a safe full of secrets, I need to know what's in that safe. In order for this all to work, you need to completely let me in. Enjoy your evening, gentlemen. As I consider your proposal. He knows.
2: Welcome to today's actually very special episode of Split the Difference. I am your lovely hostess of today, Hope, and I am joined by two of my l- lovely gentlemen here, which are.
1: Hi, I'm Jesse, <laughs> and I'm Seth.
2: Great on the take, uh, the uptake, guys. Yeah. Uh, so today, <laughs> so today we're comparing necessarily remakes but more of an inspiration to the counterpart and it's going to be the original beautiful paprika done by satoshi khan as well as later on inception by christopher nolan so we're gonna pit against you know inspiration versus japanese inspiration versus european uptick Uh, (laughs) however you want to do it. I don't know how, but yeah. So Jesse, you're the one who wanted to dive into this episode.
1: Yeah. Uh, Cause I had seen paprika years ago and I really love that movie. Absolutely. Mm. So mm-hmm. it, it's just a visual feast the entire way through. There's not a single slow moment or dull moment. Like every single shot has purpose. Every single character has great depth. It just, and just the editing and the, the way it's composed, like, for hand-drawn animation, it's just so gorgeous and impressive. And I really just wanted to talk about it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah.
0: I, was,
2: I was about to say, so a little research on my end. I've been a huge fanatic of Satoshi Khan since basically he started his career. However, this specific one, Paprika, it was actually originally a book, but it was originally... It was intended to be a book, but it got released as multiple serializations within a Japanese women's magazine. And the author, Yatsutaka Sutsui, he was like, there's no way we could do live action. And he wanted to get this adapted into a movie for so long. And finally, Satoshi Kon came around. Because, I mean, it was published back in 93, wow. so it was, mm. so, I mean, it didn't come out till. I believe the movie came out in 2008, and they didn't start production until 2004. So, I mean, it was a good chunk of time wow. in between wanting it made and it being done, but God damn, was it worth the wait. Mm-hmm. And now, Seth over here, <laughs> you are fresh eyes to this glorious masterpiece. So please, I want to know how you thought because I have been anticipating your reaction to this.
3: You know, um, it, it's really funny. I so my my I wanted to temper my expectations going into this. Anybody that's been listening to our episodes leading up to this knows that this is my first watch. Um, I have had to watch it 3 times not cuz I didn't get it but because I just needed to look at it more.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's
2: so much visualization. It is the key to everything. It's just visuals. So I totally get it especially as a newcomer.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um I've been waiting for my for my sister film to go with Akira when I need to watch like Glorious animation and now i have it this is the pairing paprika and akira that's what i'm gonna put on Mm -hmm. uh Uh, holy shit anything
2: with this yeah anything with satoshi khan um just an fyi you guys if you want to see perfect blue millennium actress tokyo godfathers those are some animation movies he's done but his very notable Um, show that he did, Paranoia Agent, think about taking paprika and putting it to the next level as a show. Oh, damn. Um, So, yeah, that's just something you guys should look out for. It's oh, that was a key anime back in the early 2000s as well that if you were a true fan, you knew Paranoia Agent. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I will have to check that out.
1: And it's sad. he's He has since passed away. He died young at the age of 46 from cancer. Wow. From cancer,
2: yeah. And I weep every day since then. Mm, man.
3: And Paprika was his last feature film then? Yep. Correct. Damn. Four wow. What a that note. was his
2: last one. Because what a note he started to go out in go Yeah, he started in the 80s and Paprika was his last film. I mean, it, he worked on it for four years.
1: Wow. I mean, considering the quality of the animation and just the creativity of it all, I, I'm I'm not shocked it took four years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, not at all. It, and it cranks
3: up at the end of it, too. I was like, this has been a smorgasbord. I can't believe it's going to get bigger. And it fucking does. Oh, yeah.
2: I mean, he was personally in charge of every storyboard and adding, like, he, there's actually a small documentary about the making of Paprika, and that's an, another good watch you can find on YouTube. Uh, can you tell I'm a bit obsessed with Satoshi Kon? <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> he, only, been, he only directed four movies in, in total, that's it. Yeah. But yeah, the he, but ones he, I
2: previously yeah. um stated, correct. But I uh I don't care if it's one or a thousand. If you do good work, you didn't... fuck yeah. he did good work.
1: Yeah. It doesn't matter how many, it just matters how well and it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Just the I, I will say the first time I did watch the film I was a little confused. I was kinda like, hmm? it took me a little while to get I was like oh okay the dream world and the real world are it's a collective dream and everyone's dreaming at the same time and it's merging its way into reality okay yeah 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 that oh god it's just so visually just the eclectic design of everything just the the over the top animation it just flows so perfectly and so seamless like the you could never film this in live action no god
2: no No, I would I would Personally, take out. I would get the rags for the person who would attempt it because <laughs> <laughs> just not happening.
1: Like, there's no way to visually capture this using live action. You know, it's just it's impossible. Like, it, it it's so fast. Like, it would it would confuse people if you were if you were doing this in live action. There's also a real fluidity to how you can hand
3: animate versus like. Uh, any kind of, you know, CG animation. It's just the, the the imperfections that come along with hand animating kind of elevate, I think, a lot of, you know, that look. I, I think specifically with the dream sequences, you know, that parade of dolls and stuff like falling over each other. They, they almost look like they're they're made of, like, goo instead yeah. of, you know, the the materials that they're made out of.
2: Everything and would bends just, it and would, warps, yeah.
3: It would look so cheesy to try to recreate that in
1: real life. Mm-hmm. 100%. Mm. I do love the fact that uh, the doctor uh, says, and the refrigerator and the mailbox will lead the way, and then what's at the front of the line of refrigerator and yeah. the yeah. mailbox? Yeah. Well, yeah. because
2: it was originally the the main hijacker's dream, and yep. they were projecting it into it, so I mean, I, I mean that's why, but... Right. But, but yeah, the fact that you see all that is that it, they actually showed it, mm. I guess you should say, yeah.
3: So, Hope, did you rewatch recently for this episode or are you going off of memory?
2: Oh, I rewatched it just because as I, I feel like in today's age, if you physically own a copy of the movie, then you are a fanatic. And I physically own a copy of this movie. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I understand. So so, so my, uh, my yeah. question is, but then, I did
2: rewatch it. Uh, just yesterday yeah
3: so my question is I I love asking people that have seen a movie a lot of times did you pick up on anything new what were your little takeaways um, watching it recently after having seen it so many times
2: Uh, my biggest thing is because paprika is such a in a good way but it's a punch to the face of visualization there's so much to digest and see and it's Honestly, you can watch it a hundred times and still pick up on something new. Yeah. Uh, whether it's just a little thing in the background or just the small hand. Um, a big thing is when they go into the assistant's apartment, when they're trying to figure out, you know, who the the first time around, when they're like, oh, well, Himura is behind it all and... Um, and just all the posters and the stacks of robots and all the little things like just all those little key things you pick up on that you don't really pay attention to the first time around because you're just focused on the plot at that point.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Interesting. So
2: and yeah, so it's you always always can find something new. I'm I've probably watched this thirty plus times and I've yeah, I'm still finding new things just because <laughs> there's there is so much visualization.
1: Yeah.
3: Um Jesse, same same question at you what did you pick up
1: watching it recently Uh I also, I, I kind of just like I kind of just turned my brain off the entirety of this watch and I just kind of let the images flow over me mm. I was surprised how the metaphor of the dolls and how <laughs> they reflect um uh oh god what's the term um what what are those uh what are those dolls the little uh, the little russian dolls what are they Oh, Nesting Dolls. The nesting Dolls. Nesting that's dolls. It. That's it. Yeah. yeah, I had I had that sort of feeling of like that's the implication of the doll is sort of like a cover for the, the human psyche. Mm. And there's that sequence where Paprika gets um the weird hentai moment where he pushes into <laughs> her stomach and then rips open her skin. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. There's
2: funny enough, there's so many like meme clips of just that, and it's like, oh, I'm gonna get in you real deep, and it's like, oh, you took that so out of context, but okay.
1: <laughs> but yeah, like that idea of the doll is representative of uh, the sort of projection of the of the psyche as opposed to the actual person itself, and just the it, just the parade representing different aspects of a person's psyche and the um. When the dreams begin to cross over into the real world, there's that sequence of uh, all the women in a line and lifting up their skirts. And then all the men have their heads like cell phones and taking pictures yeah. of their skirts. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I get it. <laughs> so, little things like that. I just because it goes so fast. It's it, yeah. it really that's if there was any negative I'd give the movie. It's that it moves maybe a little bit too fast to the point where it's hard to keep up sometimes. Mm. That's my only negative. I'd give it. It would. It'd be a little bit better to sort of like slow down for just a little bit. Uh, but that's like the most minor of complaints. I'd I was going to say
2: a lot of Satoshi khan's films actually do run at a fast pace, but yeah. it's. I I think it's done very purposefully, mm-hmm. just because it's giving you that sense of urgency. It's not so yeah. much like trying to rush in your face, but it's. It's how to display that urgency through animation medium. Yeah,
3: so. yeah. I forget the critic who said it, um, but basically the the quote is something along the lines of: "If your complaint at the end of your movie is that there's not enough movie, you just watched a really great film."
2: Yeah, yeah. And that's what it is, and and that's why I I do highly recommend his show Paranoia Agent because again, it, it does deal with the psyche and psychosis and very similar attributes to paprika but it it delves into an entire show so it you you do feel satisfied oh not that i wasn't satisfied with paprika please do not get me wrong but just like seth said i would take way more movie because it's just that good
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. how how close is this film to its original source material i'm not even i've never read the original book
2: so the source material it it's dead on so basically what satoshi kon did was he he talked to the the author and the author is just like look i know it, the the visualizations run with it he basically gave satoshi the whole take it and run um oh, but damn. the actual storyline is still true and still key because he's a psychological writer and he was like as long as the words and the story are there please make the visualizations however you want because and that's why he also went to satoshi kong because he he is so great with visualizations he's mm-hmm. like you can do this because i mean you're talking about dreams you're talking about the imagination the human psyche just all those things combined, you need something vibrant in your face, ranging from the gamut of slow to fast to boring to over the top. So he was just like, it it has to be this way. He was like, I can write this book, but your imagination is more than mine, so to say. Um, So I think it was a great collaboration, honestly. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm.
3: absolutely.
1: Yeah, I mean, like the opening credit sequence where Paprika is going from place to place and you see just all those crazy edits, uh, all the ways in which she's passing through different phases of reality, like the sequence where she gets caught in the middle of traffic and then snaps her fingers and the traffic just dead stops. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just crazy stuff like that. It's just, I could could never see this in live action because it would just look so strange. It just, that's only possible with uh, hand-drawn animation. Yeah, yep
3: there's something about it being animated that allows our brain to fully embrace the unreality of what we're seeing. Yeah. And I, I just, I can't imagine that would stick around the same way in a, in a live action, like direct adaptation. We'll get
1: into, we'll, we'll get into how to adapt it in a minute, but yeah. Or even just like, (laughs) Oh gosh. Or even, or even like 3d animation. Like what was the most recent uh, thing that came out of a, Miyazaki's production studio that his son did, the uh, what the hell? Oh, is it?
2: oh Earwig. Oh, yeah. Which that was the... awful. <laughs> there's, I think so far, the only I'm talking about movie and TV in general. There's only one thing that's the 3D animation that I've seen that's good is the show Aijin on Netflix.
1: Oh, yeah. Aijin Yeah. I, have, I like uh, that. Um,
2: I think that's the only thing that's been in 3D animation that I've actually gave like a pass to because, I mean, mm-hmm. you, they played with the 3D source yeah. because they, they had the dust particles and all that. But yeah, they stick with animation, hand-drawn. Mm-hmm. Japan's made... They, they've made a monopoly in it. I don't, I don't care what cartoons come from where uh, anime has a monopoly in my book, so. Yeah,
1: yeah. If I could venture into something a little bit. Uh, so there's the uh, the new Cowboy Bebop uh, show, uh, the live action version. And it's, yeah. it's basically a, a copy of the original cartoon, the original anime. Um, I watched the first episode and I was like, nope. <laughs> nope, not for me. I mean it they just, did it say just, it
2: was not a direct adaptation but still. Well, it's not still. direct,
1: but it's but it just it just doesn't feel like it works in live action to me.
2: No, it it No, they they're I think the biggest thing with them is they tried to copy the animation style but didn't quite get it so they convoluted it with three other styles. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And I think that's their biggest problem is they were like halfway to the idea and they're like, well, let's just the, the best thing I can I would say is if you're a kid and you're like, all right, sugar and lemon and water make lemonade. But then you're the creative side comes out and it's like, well, let's put in some paprika and some cloves and that <laughs> cinnamon stick because I want to be a mad scientist. And that's kind of what the live-action Cowboy Bebop was. Mm. Like, they had the base, yeah. and they were just like, I'm gonna do
1: things. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, getting back to Paprika. Uh, <laughs> so, I will say, uh, the reveal of who the main villain is, Seth, did that uh, surprise you at all, or did you see it coming?
3: Yeah, yeah, I wasn't like... Um, yeah, I wasn't totally thrown off by that one. I think I've seen enough anime at this point <laughs> that I could I could kind of... It wasn't shocking anyways. Mm. Uh,
2: I'm sorry, the way he's just drawn should oh, give yeah. it away. Yeah. That, I will say anime is notorious for you know who's who just by how it's drawn. Um, the biggest joke of like the anime community is if you see a still frame of a shot with 30 people... You can pick out the main character even without a face because of their hair.
3: Yeah. You
2: know, um, it, it's things like that. It's always how they're drawn. No matter, I've never not seen an anime where I didn't know who the villain and hero were just be, by how they were drawn. It's just how they do it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So as soon as the the main villain pops up, you're like, oh yeah, that motherfucker. <laughs>
1: evil professor x <laughs> <Yeah>. exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah yeah i will say um one of th- my one of my favorite scenes in this film is the um when um oh god remind me her name oh god what's the woman who is um, chiba. Atsuki? Chiba. 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 chiba chiba
2: chiba well chiba or A- achan mm-hmm. achan
1: achan that's it goes into um Oh, God, the big guy's name. What's the fat guy's name? Oh, why the can't... fat genius. <laughs> Takeda. 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 He goes into his office, and she just starts uh, insulting him and degrading him, and then she just storms out, and he just kind of sits there for, like, 10 seconds and doesn't move. <laughs> that was just, like, the most heartbreaking thing. <laughs> just Jesus Christ. Well, it's
2: also because she does care about him, though, but it's like, look, if you don't get your shit together, then not only are you going to ruin what we have but you're going to ruin the world. Right. So I mean it it's kind of like a wake up call and you it, that is another thing when you look back you can see little things of why she does care for him you know um throughout the whole show. Yeah, absolutely. So and it's
1: Yeah, but it, it it's interesting that it feels, it, on the surface, it seems like it's such a simple concept. The idea of, like, uh, stealing someone's dreams or it, it, being able to view somebody's dreams, which is technology that we have been able to create now. we have, it, Generally, we have been able to visualize the memory patterns of a person's mind while they sleep. It's very weird looking, <laughs> but it is possible. It,
2: it, yeah, it's not at all what it is in the movie, but we are on the cusp of.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, the movie lets them cut between different angles and I just think that's awesome.
1: Yeah. it, it is also yes. strange that they can like communicate like they're in the Matrix. <laughs> so But um it the uh the story of the police officer and his guilt over uh his best friend being uh uh his best friend dying from sickness and not finishing the film. Yeah. It, it, I would say that's kind of the The heart of the film is about him uh, being able to come to terms with his grief. I would say that's kind of the main storyline. Would you say that's the main storyline of the film? I
2: wouldn't say it's the main storyline, but it's definitely the parallel Mm storyline. Because it's kind of like you have the two parallel storylines and they, they cross over into one another. So it's in a sense, it's the main, but in another sense, it's not.
3: I was getting a lot of the idea that Satoshi Kon was putting his voice into that character, and like the, even the the fact that the character kind of jumps around between enjoying making movies and like not wanting to talk about movies at all because it's such a hurtful thing. Um, that sounds like a director talking about the process to me.
1: Yeah. Well, also. Uh, Satoshi actually has a, uh, a a small role in this film as the uh, the two bartenders that befriend uh, Konakawa. Mm-hmm. So
2: yeah, but he vo- he voices one of them. Yeah,
1: yeah, so he's um it, it, like directly he's involved with the story, like moving it forward, and then changes it at the tail end of this of the uh, story when um, uh, Takeda becomes the giant robot. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny when he swallows. He swallows uh, Chiba, and he goes, "It needs a little bit of spice, maybe some paprika." <laughs> like I get it, I get it. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, it. It also is. It did come full circle too, how he became the robot. You know, because mm-hmm. that memory was implanted in him already, just from. You know, it. And honestly, this is. Perfect way to segue into a crossover of why we're talking about this compared to Inception is because him, seeing him as that toy robot in the apartment implanted the idea of the dream of him being said robot, you know, so it right. was already set in his mind. Oh, yeah. And and that, again, like I said, it's a good crossover of, again, Inception. The whole movie is just about implanting, implanting.
1: But I would say to end uh, our discussion on uh, paprika and to move on to exception, I would honestly say if you ever think that hand-drawn animation is out of style or is not worth it anymore, just watch any Satoshi Kon films. Like just, yeah, I, or just any I was anime. To say, <laughs> I
2: honestly, if you guys want to have a laundry list of anime to watch just for visual representations, uh, you can contact me at any point and i will give you said list so,
1: <laughs> so yeah um inception uh seth by comparison what do you think <laughs> uh here, here yes,
3: seth <laughs> here's my here's my hot take for the episode um paprika is to inception what dune is to star wars we're we're looking at a lot of the same parts here but this is totally different uh executions uh, from like the get go. Oh, yep.
2: 100%. Mhm.
3: Yeah, um so okay, uh I have been known to disparage Chris Nolan from time to time. I also like him from time to time. I'm not a full naysayer. Uh and I think Inception's one of his strongest films to date. Um yeah. I still think Prestige is better, but uh I think he was just doing cooler stuff there. Um but yeah, Inception um What's not to like? It's it's a Chris Nolan movie that actually
1: has a heart in the middle of it. I mean, how can you be mad? Yeah, I mean, you can be mad if you try to question like certain uh, plot elements, but don't don't think about it too much.
3: <laughs> yeah, I I think that's his his one big like like th- throwaway thing in this is like, well, it's all dreams, so don't be too logical. So I've I've tried to remain. On that end when I watch it of like okay yeah dream logic dream editing you get you get a lot of um things that you can you can you know you get to lot, pull a lot of mulligans with that but as long as the characters uh stay you know relatively succinct, succinct and you know we have a a a hearty through line to hang on to i'm I'm pretty happy so I a, I tend a to hearty. Fr- <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I was yeah just
1: thinking it yeah.
3: I I I tend to forgive a lot, but that I know that's just me.
1: Yeah, was this the first time that Tom Hardy got like big big reception worldwide and became like a yes? This was
2: his. This was his like.
1: Breakout opening
2: role. the do- This was his opening the doors to his real life type of deal. Like he's like, I made it big, mom. I'm going to Disney World. <laughs> this, this was this was his movie for that. See, I would
3: I would argue that it was Star Trek Nemesis, and then he oh, was just gone you. for a while. <laughs>
1: God damn it!
2: No. I will smack you, Seth. I will smack you. <laughs> I'm just I'm saying. a huge Star Trek fan, but no.
1: I, I, it wasn't I, I, no no <laughs> fuck Bronson no no fuck that movie no it was Star Trek Nemesis that was the big breakthrough Bronson oh. was not a popular film I mean compar- I know. comparatively
3: his name kind of disappears again until uh, I think Inception on the list like Rock and Rolla nobody saw that wait he was in Sucker Punch was he I guess he was um, yeah uh. he has he has all these like little bit parts yeah flair Cake yeah. yeah.
2: Oh, Layer Cake was phenomenal, though.
1: Mm. Oh, oh so agreed. Good. Agreed. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Hope, by comparison to uh, Paprika, what are your thoughts? I don't even know what your thoughts are on Inception. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it's one of those movies, like, I, I don't typically tend to talk about Christopher Nolan that mm. much. It's I have respect for the man, but it, he's... In my laundry, in my in my list of people who I'd meet first, he is not on the list. I'm sorry. <laughs> sure. Um, so my biggest thing is both dream movies. Got it. Both <clears throat> well written. Got it. My when I originally went in to see Inception, I was I truly was blown away because of. The effects that they did, what the technology was at the time, the breaking mm. things, you know, it was it it truly was a great masterpiece of its time. Um that's when people are really starting to break out into more different ways of filming, I guess you should say. Yeah. Um And it was a great cast, stacked cast, like holy crap. Oh, yeah. Um and I my biggest thing though is I, I, it, it, You could tell Christopher Nolan's from England or the UK. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's just put it that. Let me just put it out there because it's still a great story, beautifully done. I know it's not a happy-go-lucky story, but neither is *Paprika*. But the difference is *Paprika* is so vibrant and visual and uplifting. Even when it's down, it's up.
3: Yeah.
2: Um. And but with. Inception, it's just like, it's so drab and gray. And there's, even when they're in different places, I still felt like it was all the same place because it was just still drab and dreary. And there was, for for them talking about dreams and you can do this and that and all these options, it's like they still, I still felt like it was so boxed in mm. and that was my biggest gripe was okay cool you can't let on to them knowing this is a dream that they're in a dream or um whatever but there's definitely been times I know from personal experience where things were crazy and whack job in my dream but I didn't know it was a dream till I woke up it felt that real yeah mm-hmm. Um, Like, I I had a dream where skeletons were chasing me with psi and, like, poison darts. And I was, like, scared for my life. And I was like, this is real. I am going to die. And then I woke up and I'm like, oh, it's not real. (sighs) So, I mean, I feel like they could have stepped out of those boundaries a little bit more. Because I do feel like it was just so rigid. And not even just saying, like, it was the plan and the structure of the plan. And I know it was like very intricate, but they could have played with how they did things a bit more. I think. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Especially considering the fact that this film directly lifts like entire sequences from paprika, like the mirror scene, it's completely ripped off from paprika. Like why would you rip that off? But not any of the weird imagery like.
2: Right. And and they, they did take so much inspiration from paprika because I mean, it, and, and I think it's partially, too, they took it maybe from the actual story than the movie, so to say. Mm-hmm. Um, because, again, as I, as I was saying earlier, the author was like, look, I, re- I made this book and I get the medical, psychological aspects, but Satoshi, you got the vivid imagery go. And I think that might have been... A similar situation where Christopher Nolan had the great idea, had made the script, had the cast, but then he got to the editors in the background department and they're just like, hey. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's kind of where it fell off for me. Not not that like the editing, everything wasn't beautifully done because it, it really was. But it's yeah. just, I feel like they could have done so much more, you know, I, I, I don't
3: know. No, I I... I... Think I've I keyed into what you're talking about here as well as I was watching the two of them because if I had to make the strongest like um, draw between them, it's that paprika embraces the fantasy element that's held within working with dreams, and Inception decided to go for a full hard sci-fi tilt for what is more like a fantasy story. Like at the mm-hmm. en- at the end of the day, you're you're using fantasy logic because it's not hard sci-fi logic so i i think their rejection of the fantasy element is what makes everything feel so off kilter overall like even the you know um manipulating the the streets and flipping you know the, the the geography over on itself like all of that looks like a hard sci-fi machine is doing it and not that it's like uh an oozing substance changing from one form to another, the way that, you know, the liquids in our brain would move things. And I, I, I I
2: I feel like it was very, I feel like your mind would be a bit more flowy with it. Um,
1: which is probably why inception should have been hand-drawn animation.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, and and not even just that it's, um, there's different editing, the techniques they could have done too, where, um, instead of them the perfect example when well now elliot page and leo just kind of do a dead stop and then take a pause and then walk up sideways onto like the new street yeah what they could have done instead was like just kept it a complete flow and then they do like a look back and see it is bent
3: yeah, 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 uh,
2: I feel, I feel like just, even just altering how they did that could have made it feel more like they, yes, they are in a dream. If you just kept that flow going, if you didn't break that flow, but then did a look back like, oh, wait, yeah, they are, you know. It, just little things like that I think they could have keyed in on.
3: Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I think the, the big lost opportunity here is... They, they make mention um, in the scene that you're speaking of there specifically about the idea of the subconscious being like a white blood cell's little attack when they notice things yes. are off, right? And mm-hmm. so to me, that sets up an idea that they could pull off, you know, one of these mind heist things uh, with dr- like full dream logic, being able to fly, um, you know, float, fucking like they, they had to invent a reason for there to be no gravity when. My brain's going. Well, you're in a dream. You can just take gravity away if you want to, right?
2: Exactly. Mm-hmm. I can breathe underwater. <laughs> I, I I can be a, a one eyed purple eater, whatever you know. Just I. But it's. <laughs> I feel like they were so rigid with their dreams, right?
3: Because same thing happened with Green Lantern that came out uh, shortly after this, where it was like your your power is creativity, and I'm going to get to see what a machine gun, a jet. Uh, hot wheels car and a helicopter that's what that's all we're going to do with the green lantern rings uh, yeah okay mm. <laughs> um th- it's a dream guys we can do literally anything we want like I, and I, especially
2: in the show like he made like catcher's mitts he did like maces he he had he made a cage for hawkwoman at one point right. like <laughs> like
1: that, i think that's the problem with Christopher Nolan is that it's a big complaint that's lobbed against him is that he's so clinical yeah he's, yeah, he's more focused on the technical prowess of his movies that he forgets about general creativity. Like, like I've watched half of Tenet and I will never finish it, but it's a I haven't dim- even began it. You don't need to because it's a four dimensional movie where the main character has no name. Like, like I'm not invested emotionally because I don't I don't feel anything for anybody. Like he was more concerned with the technical prowess of the movie rather than the emotional investment no you're 100 percent right and that
3: leads me into my other big hot take for inception um inception only works because leonardo dicaprio is here and if you put anybody else that is even remotely lower skilled as an actor in that role the movie does not function anymore because he ha- I'm
2: sorry, the man got robbed that award season oh just yeah saying. oh
3: absolutely um, yeah, he that and Shutter, he, he finally got He finally got it from the Island. <laughs> oh yeah,
2: Revenant wasn't even worth it though. Like that was not his best role. His best role is in Wolf of Wall Street. Yes, <laughs> where he is. No, the the key the key scene that should have made him win.
1: Uh, is it the Lamborghini is, scene?
2: When he is so high on those on those lemons, and he's crawling and slurring, and like he has, like, freaking stroke face. And, like, I was like, how did this man not win an award just for these three minutes yep. of film? Yep. Like, that's all he needs. And I was like, the, the film was great, but I could watch that three minutes on a loop. For three hours and be (laughs) fine. All facts, all
3: facts, no cap. (laughs) But no, I I I really think Leo sells the the heartbreak of this movie. And if you didn't, because I I heard that like Brad Pitt got offered this, I heard Will Smith got offered this, and like I, I don't know, I feel like the Will Smith version would have been like that heist movie he did with Margot Robbie. Like everybody forgot about it because oh it was God. so because
2: it was so bland. Yeah.
3: And and in a movie I not remember what that movie was. <laughs> I'm what I'm trying the hell to what was it?
2: Uh I remember Margot Robbie's boobs. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, all I'm gonna say.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I've I i can not even recall. I saw it in theaters one time and I just blanked it out of my mind. Um <laughs> I remember them pulling some kind of psychological heist on some uh, guy at the Super Bowl, and that's the only section I really remember. Anyways, oh, yeah, when he's like
2: doing <laughs> that, bet. but yeah, yeah, no, but Seth, you were a hundred percent correct. Where this film would not be this film if it wasn't for the casting that they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they. I will say they got a great cast. They. Mm. Hold that one yeah. off a hundred percent. Even like the lesser known roles were still cast great. Um, so,
1: like Michael Caine shows up for two scenes because <laughs> he uh, has he to be. He still
2: seals the show, though. He still yeah. seals it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he has to be in every single Christopher Nolan movie. <laughs> no excuses. They they probably just love
3: hanging but, no. out and just need the the work excuses to write it off. <laughs>
2: i I would i honestly would like to see him as alfred but just in every christopher nolan film (laughs) so your father your father in burma you see (laughs) he also steal dreams in burma and that way when we got together he promised me to look after you (laughs) Your, your dreams and all (laughs)
1: the cast really does carry this whole movie because if you start to think about like uh, the time dilation element of the dreams and how they go deeper and deeper into the the dreamscape yeah it it starts to break at that point if you start to think about it so has Yusuf been driving around that city for a whole week or have they been skiing down that mountain for about ten years? Because that's what was said is the time dilation of those dreams.
3: No, okay, so so that would be <laughs> that would be the time dilation if you were to not kick or kill yourself out of the dream. The dreams have the same, uh, or not not the same starting point, but the dream starts uh, at the time of the dream above it.
1: Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah.
3: So, so the the time dilation aspect is like how long you could be down there, which is why um, uh, Cobb and um, Saito end up as old men because they actually live out the entire time, the fifty years or whatever down in limbo. The, mm-hmm. So it, this is Cobb's like third lifetime that he's <laughs> lived by the end of the movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: Uh, but can I just say I'm so glad that they got Ken Watanabe for this. Oh yes, he played it perfectly. Oh,
3: I love a tiny detail. I'm not sure how I missed it every single time. I totally missed they. He offers Cobb a gun to kill his his assistant that they caught. He's just like, oh, do you want to take oh, care yeah. of this? And he's like, no, that's not how I handle things. And I I missed what he was mentioning there the first time I saw the movie. And it wasn't until uh-huh. this recent watch that I was like, oh, shit. He wanted him to just merc that guy in the helicopter. Just blood and all? What was the plan here, Saito? What the
1: fuck are you <laughs> up to? <laughs> I mean, it's... <sighs> It, it, it's a whole universe He's ruthless
2: where <laughs> He's just ruthless Okay Like he doesn't care He's like I want to ruin this kid's life I'm going to kill some people I'm mm-hmm. going to let a murderer go free I'm, I just want money in my pocket mm-hmm. Like that's all it is At the end of the day He's like I got money in my pocket right.
1: There's not really any good guys In this movie Maybe the closest is like Ariadne But that's about it But eventually Ariadne kind of Just kind of goes along With everybody
3: Yeah, I mean, at that point, at that point, I guess. Oh, actually, I I do have this this burning question, because I I don't know if the character that a trans person is playing is identified as a gender within the film. Do you you use those pronouns when you're referring to the character? Because like, I know, obviously, Elliot Page is a man. I
2: would say just, we're, we're talking about the character at this point. We're not yeah, going yeah, into yeah. the celebrity life. If we're going to talk about the actual actor or whatever, but, like, the character is a female in the... I mean, j- yeah. think about it in these terms. Think of, um, perfect example, uh, Tootsie.
3: Oh, true, okay. Yeah, 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 Yep, I, I follow.
2: So, okay, yeah. I, so, I
3: just yeah. wanted to call that out before I started throwing around the she pronoun and have no, people get mad no, at me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, I will um, get the rags if they get you, Seth. I got you.
3: Yeah. So, so she, Ariadne. Um, I feel like this is like her first mission, and I don't know if there's a proper point for her to pull out of it at any point either. You know what I mean? Because she doesn't know that they're stuck in there. Nobody knows that they're stuck in ter- in there until they jump in, except for Cobb. Yeah. Uh, which makes not it, fucked up. Oh yeah, he's the biggest
1: asshole of them all. Yeah, he's a huge asshole. <laughs> he's like, you're not going to tell your crew about what's going on? Well, and actually, if he had told them, he'd be like, oh, they probably would back out. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 So he basically tricks everybody into getting into this mission. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he's...
2: he's and, the, and and I get that, because he's lived a hell of a life. Uh, you know, he's... <laughs> two of like, them. You just, <laughs> I, was about, I, ju- I was just about to say, it's just what you just said, Seth. Like, he's this is like his second, third lifetime. Like, just let the man... like. It's kind of like that old person who um, steals stuff and then blames it on Alzheimer's when they don't have Alzheimer's. Like, they lived enough life. Let them have fun at
1: that point. uh, uh, Yeah. Kleptomaniac. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Or whatever. Just, it doesn't matter. Just like, get off my lawn walking out in the middle of the street with with the robe open. You know, (laughs) just, I don't care. Right. You know, if you've lived that long, you do you, buddy. Right. Exactly.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I you know what I noticed on this watch through as well that really blew me away? What's that? No computer monitors, no cell phones. The the technology the communication technology does not exist in this movie. They're so careful to like use radios and have characters arriving at the same locations for meetups or things happening in the dream space. Uh, there's, I thought that was crazy. The movie doesn't look dated. Like The movie's going to look fresh in 40 years because they just kept all of that stuff out of it.
2: I was just about to say they didn't want to put, put a time stamp on it, so to say. Mm-hmm. And I did notice that as well. I was like, the most technology you see is the briefcase that puts them under. Yeah. So Which, which is a copy I...
1: of the briefcase from Paprika. Yeah. <laughs>
2: The only thing I will say the the difference is they have to be hooked up instead of having a DC mini, yeah, uh, like true. around their head, which is way cooler. The one, yeah, the, oh god, yes. But the one thing I, I will say that bugs me is like they just you just see them like strap these things in them. I'm like, first off, is this going into their arm? Is it going into their bloodstream? Is it intramuscular? Like these. People who have no medical experience are just stabbing themselves. For all we know, they're going to hit an artery and kill themselves. Like, that that was just me, like, in the back of my mind, like, please stop thinking about it medically. Please stop thinking about it medically. And I'm no, like, you're, I can't.
3: I can't. You're, you're not wrong. <laughs> in the medical world of Inception, when you go to the doctor's office, they have to ask you, do you do intravenous heroin or do you dr- do dream machines? <laughs> because you, <laughs> yeah, you have so many like, fucking track marks.
2: I know, and that's the thing. I was like, what? I just, oh, that, I will say that's the one thing that just ugh, killed me so bad. Because even if they did this whole thing, you know, and there's like, oh, it's a dream. They got away with it. Like, the person that's going to wake up and look at their bruised ass arm. Right. With a hole in it, and possibly bleeding, because I doubt they took the time to put gauze and a Band-Aid on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like... <laughs> Some they're gonna know something's up, right? And I think that's a, a smidge of a of a plot hole. All in all, I'm just like, oh, like I know you're not supposed to think about it, but that is a major plot hole. If they're supposed to be covert. Mm-hmm. There,
3: there definitely is like a they very specifically did not go into how the technology works so that they could use the time explaining how dream logic works. And to to their benefit, I think that was the right move, but it does leave us with a bunch of questions like, how do you data transfer across blood, homie? Like that sounds very hard to do. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, and and again, that's, it's one of those things you just, you got to let it go. And I get that. I get that. But again, it's 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 one of those things you don't think upon the initial viewing. I will admit. I again, I've seen Inception m- multiple times as well. So it's only in the second, third time I've watched it that I'm asking these questions. Though. Sure. So I sure. will give it that benefit. Well, and and some of the
3: that I that I really enjoyed too with the the idea that obviously Inception is a is a a some symb- symbolic metaphor for the filmmaking process like they all represent yeah. different aspects of you know the filmmaking process i really like that something that yeah. they they bring out is the pre-production process and and that that chunk of the movie tends to interest me more than the actual like heist parts of it i really like looking at like the the 3d mazes that Ariadne is building. And then, you know, the, the, the room layouts, like the little things that they do to think like they put pads down when they're testing out the, um, the, uh, anti inner ear, uh, uh,
0: serum. Serum. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, and just the, those little things. I, I really enjoyed that, that because that, made me it really makes the filmmaking process seem like engaging and interesting from from all levels it's not just while you're watching it but like while you're getting ready for a movie that process is really fun and then the post the post filmmaking process as well kind of gets touched on and and I think I think it works for for all that at the cost of like sacrificing real life logic.
2: Exactly. No, and I, I totally get that. And I 100% agree with you. It's It was done in the right way. I'm not giving it any faults. It was a brilliant movie. But again, it, it wasn't until the second, third, fourth time I've seen this where I'm asking these oh, questions yeah, yeah. too. Because you, you at that point, you can nitpick. But first, second time viewing, again, you're, you're, Christopher Nolan knows how to write. He knows how to direct. He does. Um, and it's apparent... Well, when he's on his game, at least. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was, uh, and and this was one of them. He was on top of his game for this one, for sure. And you're, I was so focused in the actual story and the plot, you know, that all that fell to the wayside. Oh yeah. So mm. I
1: would, I would add on to that. I'd say he knows how to write when he's on his A game, and knows how to direct when he's on his A game. But he doesn't really know how to feel.
2: There's you know? no emotion. That's his yeah. thing, and that, and that's what I was explaining between. The difference between Paprika and this. there's, There was every emotion in the planet with Paprika. Mm. Literally every single emotion with every single character. Mm-hmm. Everyone. Th- th- what kills me is I know all these actors can act their asses off. Yeah. And I felt like they were, they were put in a corner and limited. So for the acting they did was brilliant for what I think they were limited to because of that oh sure because he doesn't because he doesn't know emotion <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: he doesn't I'm sorry
1: anytime you see like you ever see him in interviews he looks like a human quaylude <laughs> <laughs> he, he just has he just talks so quietly all the time he just never seems to raise his voice or even laugh or say anything it's like I'm just a very very serious man I was like fuck you <laughs> Like that's I think the problem with uh, Nolan as a director for me is that his films just have this, this emotional barrier. Like he wants them to be as emotionally distant as possible, and I, that was the biggest problem with Tenant for me was that I just didn't give a shit. Right, like, I just don't care. Like, and I've never finished Tenant, and I never will. So, it was kind
2: of like one of those overcorrections, so to say. like that's that's what Christopher Nolan is. He is an overcorrection. A
3: hundred percent. No, yeah. yeah, I mean, if you if you look at what his filmography is and the way that his filmmaking has changed, you can tell he's got a real brain for filmmaking, and you can tell he knows how to look at, like, trends that are going on in Hollywood filmmaking and, and kind of, like, cut to the chase of them. He knows how to skip, you know, chunks of movie that would bog it down. But I think he's gotten so good at that that he's clipping a little too close. And, for instance, like, like Tenet never stops there's the I mean you're yeah there's no uh like there's not that downtime ma- scene yeah yeah there's no downtime scene there's not that many establishing shots we don't know when we've changed locations we don't know how much time has passed like it, it it is he's blinking along so much that he's losing the reason why some of those more boring scenes that he tries to cut out of his movies exist is because they help the audience engage with the characters that we're watching like yeah. you I, I get it you want to skip through the boring stuff because you're not strong at writing good interesting dialogue whereas you know a Tarantino will have you sit down and listen to him monologue all day um, mm-hmm. I, I think I think a big issue with his filmmaking is that he tries to skirt the some of the more important things, some of the things that you see Spielberg do, you know, super effectively well. He he tries to skip those, and I think it really hurts his movies, and you, I, I think it started happening a lot in the prestige, but it's gotten infinitely worse into like Tenet and stuff like that. Like, Dark Knight Rises, when does that movie like take a break? Uh, it, doesn't. Uh, it doesn't,
2: it doesn't, nope. it really doesn't. It's
3: like two and a half hours about chasing people around with a bomb, how does it feel long and short at the same time?
1: <laughs> well, that's the least of that movie's problems, though. Sure.
2: <laughs> We're, uh...
1: Yeah. Someday I'm going to I'm gonna convince Dysart to fix that movie. I, I will pay him to do it. Because <laughs> 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 yeah, he hates that movie, and I really just want to hear him be like, hey, fix the whole thing, dude. Here, I'll pay you. Oh, so
2: you have a problem with me. <laughs> you,
3: you, know, you know what's really fucking funny is that if if you uh ascribe to the idea that um the dark the dark knight trilogy is about like bush era uh po- politics mm-hmm. th- then functionally it makes the most sense to have communist bane as your final boss i just don't think nolan <laughs> knew how to draw those comparisons without making capitalism lose i sincerely yeah. sincerely <laughs> i think that is what happened in the dark knight rises his political ideologies just could not like converge on each
1: other, yeah. I think, isn't uh Nolan also an objectivist as well? Oh, he's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, that's yeah, yeah that's why he's buddies with Zack Snyder. He, he's
3: <laughs> British Republican, or is we call them here in America liberal? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Joe <laughs> Biden is Republican light, you can't change my mind,
1: yeah, yeah. What is what is uh southern sweet tea taste like, yeah.
2: I don't know what politics are anymore. It's all just a shit show in my opinion. Yeah,
1: You all suck. I'm going to move to Norway. <laughs> I'm start my own group of blackjack and hookers. <laughs> and,
2: and forget the blackjack.
1: God. Yeah, it it, it I mean I will say it, despite all of its problems I still enjoy Inception. It's a ride. It really is a ride.
2: Yeah. No, yeah. I I've always thoroughly enjoyed the film. But yeah. when but when we're comparing a freaking paprika to it, it's just There's uh, no
3: competition. Like, <laughs> yeah.
2: Like with Paprika, I went through every emotion. I had to change my pants three times. <laughs> I like I was just so happy. Again, I physically own the damn movie. <laughs> 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 but like Inception Again, don't get me wrong, I love it, but when you compare it to the quote-unquote original, especially this type of, and they're polar opposites, it's like yin and yang, like, though, you know, it's, uh, I just, uh, yeah. I, I, mm. I've i already made it abundantly clear that I'm a huge Satoshi Khan fan, I'm an anime fan, I'm a, not just here, but in previous podcasts as well, but So,
1: but yeah, I mean, but if you had to pick one to watch first, which one would you go with?
2: Inception first, that way you can only go up.
1: (laughs) Good point. (laughs) That's a good
3: way of putting it. Yeah. All right. Here's the blockbuster version. Now, here is the like prestige version. (laughs) There you
2: go.
3: Mm -hmm. No, Uh, I I agree with that. Also, Paprika is a short watch, so it wouldn't feel long after Inception at all.
2: It is. And that, and I think that's part of the thing, too. So many... As Jesse's mentioned before in other podcasts with many other movies, why does Hollywood keep wanting to make three to five hour long damn movies? <laughs> like, we don't mm-hmm. need that. I'm sorry. Especially if I'm in a movie theater. I'm sorry. I can't have the liberty of pausing while I go pee for five times. But so I mean, it, and the way that they did it, they—it's condensed. It's great. It's to the point. You get it all. Mm-hmm. You don't need every movie so long. Yeah,
1: you could probably trim Inception down to in about two hours. It's a little—it's about an hour and forty-eight. It's a, what is a hundred forty-eight minutes? You could trim that to a good two hours. I guarantee you could trim some stuff. There, there's oh, def- definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does feel bloated at times, but but I feel like Chris Nolan is the king of bloated movies. <laughs> you know? He
2: definitely earned that title. He earned yeah.
1: it. I mean, you know, I mean, I like Dunkirk, it was fine, but Jesus Christ, dude, it's too long. <laughs> Just yeah. It's a lot of movie in my movie, man. It's a lot of movie in my movie. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, watch Inception first and watch Paprika second because it's the one that's superior. But they're both good. Yeah,
3: yeah. For these kinds of stories, absolutely. I'm I'm just happy to have these kinds of movies. If I'm being honest, I love the exploration of dreams and dream logic and and the
1: unique ways that filmmaking specifically can bring those out. I just I love that shit. Yeah. Has Chris Nolan ever acknowledged the inspiration of Paprika for Inception? Has he ever publicly acknowledged it? No, and actually I went di- Not
2: to my knowledge. I went diving into
3: the reason as to why, um, and it's because his initial pitch for Inception was um, not inspired by Paprika, it was inspired by lucid dreaming, and uh, the the idea about dream thieves came to him first as a horror film. Uh, back in, like, the huh. early, uh, right after Insomnia, um, he was working on, like, a treatment for Warner Brothers, and so he was gonna do a horror film, then he busts out, you know, two Batman movies in The Prestige, uh, and then um, he, uh, I, I think, apparently, he, he passed it off to his brother who was uncredited for, like, a for a writing pass on it, and that was at the point where they were like, you should watch Paprika to get inspired, and then that led him closer to Inception
1: oh uh, okay so it's not really a remake but it's it, it does take a lot of inspiration and in in some ways does rip off visuals and iconography
3: right I mean, yeah so. so the visual so, yeah. reference i'm I'm sure he wouldn't deny that the the story reference i I know the reason that he wouldn't claim paprika is because he did you know come up with a lot of this on his own and if you're being honest like dream stories I feel like most people are gonna arrive in similar places yeah, um th- yeah. there's nothing like I, I think Paprika is at least more interesting for having the idea of the shared collective dream. Um, yeah. That, that...
2: And the dream going into re- physical reality, too. Exactly. That was the first.
3: Exactly. And, yeah. and those are like two things very specifically I would not want to see in live action.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, compare it to like The Matrix. The Matrix is the same general idea, you know. Yeah. The difference between a dream or reality. It's kind of ex- the same pro- ex- process.
3: Existence has the same machine. It just looks fucked up in their version
1: yeah yeah same thing there yeah
3: yeah uh, oh that that was my other I, I had a, a third hot take in my in my notes for today. um do you guys realize that you could uh David Lynch could film all of Chris Nolan's um filmography, but Lint or uh, Nolan could not do David Lynch's filmography. Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean that makes right. sense. And just it makes sense. Just
3: looking back through the movies, Nolan has done versus Lynch, and like the kinds of stories they both go after, similar kinds of stories. They just approach it totally differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All I'm yep. saying is, I would love to see David Lynch's Batman trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> oh I'd love God, to see David
2: Lynch's everything. Let's yeah. be let's be real.
3: <laughs> because you you know, Lynch would have been inspired by that bat dream from uh, Val Kilmer's Batman. That would have been like he would have he would have just been jizzing himself to that. Like, "Oh shit, we can do that." <laughs> <laughs> David Lynch's Batman, I'm here for it.
1: <laughs> we'll have to see what the new Batman looks like. <laughs> uh, um... They say it's a horror movie. I I guess I uh, will see. <laughs>
2: Again, I've long stood with the the theory and thesis of DC, take the animation side, you Mm -hmm. win. Marvel, keep on doing live action. Don't ever cross over. Just... just keep to what you got, okay. See, I am. I,
3: I am actually cheering for them to cross over because I have all the um, amalgam comics from the nineties and the DC versus Marvel crossover stuff, and the value on those is going to increase exponentially. No, no, no,
2: no. not not crossover physically, but like, okay, DC, don't cross over into live action. Oh, 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 oh crossover gotcha. into animation. Gotcha. You, Marvel, you stick with. Live action DC, you stick with animation, and let bygones be bygones, right? Okay, and that—that's what I mean. Like,
3: <laughs> we don't even need the TV shows to weigh in on that either, because that waiting just makes it even worse for DC.
2: Not my mm-hmm. point, my point. So I'm just like, let's just shake hands, say our our niceties, and just have let it be. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So anyways, Inception and Paprika, two great movies. Can't go wrong. One is a little more on the clinical side. The other one is much more existential. And if you're going to watch them, watch Inception first and then do Paprika second. Good pairing. Yes. Oh,
2: So good. I've been dying for this day for so long.
1: (laughs) So our next episode will be... uh, a uh, film that uh, the remake changed the genre. We're talking about Yohimbo versus a fistful of dollars. Oh wow,
2: mm, that's a that's a good one.
1: hmm. Yep. Two considered classic films of major film history. Uh, we're going to compare and contrast uh, a classic Kurosawa film with uh, one of Sergio Leone's uh, uh, dollars uh, films. The first one. So, I I haven't watched Fistful of Dollars in a long time. Yeah, same. Um, mm. it's it's been a
3: hot minute since I've seen either one. To be honest, mm-hmm. uh, it's I, I, I
2: think I got I, so distract I got distracted by watching Tombstone twenty times.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and who could blame you? Who could blame <laughs> you? Yeah, yeah. So, any final thoughts before we sign off, guys? Uh, anything you guys are working on? What are you working on, Hope?
2: Uh, right now, just in these podcasts up with these lovely guys over here, um, again, if you want to talk anime movies, if you need lists and recommendations, you can hit me up on pretty much any form of social media at biohazard underscore Leia, um, and I'm, again, I'm also going to be at the local Orlando Spooky Empire convention. If you're ever in Tampa, Orlando area and need a convention, buddy, I'm here for you.
1: Awesome,
3: awesome. And Seth, what about you? Oh, you can find me all over the internet at SethXDecker. Um, That TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, I'm on all of those. Currently, I'm working on finishing up my Wrong Turn video essay. I... Was not going to go any deeper, but then I got an email back from one of the directors, and so now I have to halt off on that one until like, I can interview him. because. Oh, jeez. Yeah.
2: Oh, my God. I was wondering what's going on. I was like, dude, I need this.
3: So I shot off emails to a, as many production people as I could on LinkedIn, heard nothing back. This is months ago. This is like uh, September, uh, August uh no, didn't hear anything and then just last week got as as I'm doing the section on the uh wrong turn remake I get an email back from the guy and he's like oh actually I could probably sit down with you for a couple minutes if you have some questions and I was like oh hell yeah so I'm pausing that for a minute
2: <laughs> awesome no that's awesome <laughs> um
3: mm. from there I think Jesse and I are working on our best of the year list for a YouTube video you can check that out on our YouTube channel Jaguar
1: Sharks yes Yes, and if you want to get in touch with me, find me on Twitter at Hardcore B Shot. I believe that wraps it up for this episode. Thanks, guys. This was a, this was a fun one. Uh, hope I'm glad you got to have uh, got to have your cake and eat it too on this one.
2: <laughs> Damn right, I did.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, I've been trying to put more really good movies on these lists because we've had a bunch of duds in the beginning of this season. So I'm like, you know what? Let's do some good stuff. <laughs> oh so. yeah, yeah. Uh, And with that, good night. Good night.